Hey everybody, we are here, Dave Therrien. New Hope Radio and the Hope Club Podcast. It's great about a podcast, you know, you can get God's Word anytime. God's Word on Demand at the Hope Club Podcast. We're going to talk today about God working in the life of the believer. Is that you? Are you a believer in Jesus Christ and you realize that God is doing a work in you? Oh yeah, He is. And when we think about God working in our lives, it really may be difficult to get a picture of how that works. A lot of the circumstances in our life are intended that God would do a work in us, and sometimes we don't realize that. That's why we have this series going on, The Potter and the Clay. As we watch the potter in a studio, shaping and molding the clay into what he has in mind for it, I want us to see God doing that in our lives as well. So as we talk about these things, it will require an attentive heart and a willing spirit if you want to get the benefit that's intended. Okay, quick summary so far. It's good to review. You know why? We, we hear it a few times and it really gets uh, embedded in our hearts. That's what we need, isn't it? We need to have it embedded. So here's how this works, okay? Number one, the potter procures the mud from a nearby pit. He gets his bucket, goes out to the mud pit, fills it up, brings it back. Then he goes through a series of cleansings, and then he filters it through a cloth, and he dries it out on a hill. And then he kneads it like dough, and that removes all the air pockets. So when he puts it into the fire, it doesn't explode. Now, we know that he has a studio to work in, and in that studio is the potter's wheel. It's a large wheel on the bottom that he spins with his feet. A shaft goes up, and there's a smaller wheel on top. That's where he places the mud, or the clay. We mentioned two kinds of clay, secondary and primary. Around Palestine, most of the clay was secondary. It had impurities. We talked about Adam being primary clay before the fall. And then after the fall, when he took upon himself a sin nature, <laughs> he became secondary clay. A very important part of the process is having a bowl of water nearby. We talked about that last time. Wonder-working water. Every time the potter touches the clay, he has to dip his hands in the water. And the water makes the work go smoothly. So there's no friction, and it dries out the clay. And remember we said the water for us, oh, it's the Word of God. With the Word of God, He can do His work in your heart. But I'll tell you what, if we eliminate the Word of God from our life, when God goes to work as the potter, there's going to be a lot of friction. Oh yeah, it's not going to be easy. And then, remember this, the potter has a predetermined idea of what he wants the clay to become. He, ha- he knows in his mind what he wants to make. 
So before we go any further, let's answer the question that I'm about to ask. Why pottery? Why are we using pottery as an illustration of God working into our lives? Working in our lives. Because pottery is a symbol of a settled-down life. The life of the nomad, someone that's always traveling, he would require wineskins to transport liquids. But clay pots would be, they'd be too fragile to travel with and also too heavy. So therefore, the use of pottery, it signifies a settled-down life of God's people as he works in their lives. Remember, even when the potter was retrieving the mud from the pit, he already knew what his intentions were for the mud. Okay, so here's where we are so far. We, as believers in Christ, have ceased from our works. Christ is our Sabbath rest. So we live in a settled-down state with Jesus. Okay, we have the certainty and the assurance of heaven. And while we're on the earth, sanctification means he's shaping us and molding us into his image. So, we saw this scripture last time. It's really written to Israel, but we can make application. Jeremiah 29.11, God said, For I know that I plan, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare, not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. So God knows what he wanted to do with Israel. The potter knows what he wants to do with the clay. He knows the shape that he wants it to have. Will it be a a bowl? Will it be a vase? Will it be something else? Will it be a lamp? He knows the beauty that he's going to ascribe to it, how he's going to decorate it. He knows the use that he has for it. So we could call this God's will for our lives. Okay? Because I believe God has a will for the life of every Christ follower. So let's study God's intentions for our lives using some Old Testament principles. For instance, Isaiah chapter 64, verse 8. Isaiah said, But now, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, and you are potter. And all of us are the work of your hand. Now, Isaiah is speaking for the nation of Israel. But aren't we very similar? Aren't we the work of God's hands? And what they're doing here, they're asking for mercy because of their disobedience. But for us, we're going to look at Christ. He's the one working in our lives. And we have a clean slate with the Lord Jesus. Oh, thank the Lord that a sacrifice on the cross atoned for all of our sins. And we have a clean slate with God. So we're going to see Christ as the one working in our lives according to, here it comes, His intentions. How many people today live the Christian life according to their intentions? Wait a minute. The Christian life is about God's intentions for us. It's not ours. It's His. What did Jesus say in the garden? 
Father, not my will, but yours be done. Even Jesus is a beautiful illustration of the, of the priority of God's will over someone's life. So the part of our message, this part of our message can really bring you into the reality of the Christian life. What is the reality of the Christian life? God has a will for my life. And God will work in my life to accomplish that will. Now, what this does, it takes us way beyond being religious. You know, that's why religiosity takes us, I believe, out of the flow of sanctification, God working in our lives, and understanding His will for us individually. As the potter has intentions for the clay, and as carefully and artfully as he might work, sometimes the clay does not respond properly. He may struggle with a particular foreign object embedded in the clay, maybe something like a little pebble or a tiny grain of sand. It could be embedded so deeply it continues to bruise the clay. Remember, yes, we did say that he brought it through a series of cleansings and he filters it, but there's always something that kind of gets through. You know, that little thing that just won't get filtered out. Maybe like in our own life. Maybe you're doing pretty well following Christ, but something pops up and ruins your walk. Maybe it's an old habit. Maybe it's a temptation that you fall into every once in a while. So we also have these impurities in our life. So this lack of cooperation on the part of the clay, it causes the potter to smash his work and begin all over again. <laughs> so, right? He's, he's shaping this vessel on the wheel, but it just doesn't cooperate. So he smashes it down. He says, all right, now I'm going to have to change my mind and make something else. And the principle is where there is resistance, there will be loss of progress. Loss of progress means loss of purpose. Uh-oh, that's no good. And then eventually... His highest ambitions for the clay would now have to be reduced to something simple and common, right? He had high ambitions. I'm going to make a beautiful goblet for the king, but it doesn't cooperate. So now I'm going to make a bowl for the king's dog, (laughs) okay? Well, because he he just couldn't get that clay to cooperate with him the way he wanted it to. The impurities just wouldn't come out. Now, in Romans chapter 9, verse 18, we have a scripture that's often misinterpreted, where Paul said, So then, speaking of God, he has mercy on whom he desires, and he hardens whom he desires. So you will say to me then, why does he still find fault? For who can resist his will? And Paul said, on the contrary, 
Who are you, O man, who answers back to God? The thing molded will not say to the molder, Why are you making me like this, will it? Or does not the potter have a right over the clay to make from the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for common use? Now, a lot of folks use that scripture to, uh, I don't know, try to defend God's chooses who will be saved and who will not be saved. And we don't have a right to question. I don't think it means that at all. I think God works according to the will of man. And yes, he does have the right to make a vessel into honor and dishonor. And when the clay cooperates with the potter, he can make a vessel to honor. And when the clay doesn't cooperate with the potter, he'll make a vessel of less honor. So we call it dishonor, less honor. So whenever there is something in our lives that refuses to go under the hand of God, there must be a smashing and a starting over again. And unfortunately, for some, the Christian life is nothing more than a continual starting over again and again and again and never being finished. There are people like that that profess to know Christ They profess to follow Christ, but they make absolutely no progress in their life because they're always starting over. Sometimes we have to stop and ask ourselves, how is my progress doing? Am I making progress? Is God's plan of sanctification working in my life? Like I said, God has intentions and God has a use for every believer. Some of the uses of ancient pottery, it would be from a five-gallon water jar to a delicate perfume bar, a jar. When I think of that, you know what comes to my mind? Refreshment. Water and perfume, right? They refresh. So there are people that God is working in their lives, and their purpose is to be refreshment to others. And we all know people like that, don't we? Maybe you're one like that. You're a very refreshing person to be around. Then the the potter can make something from a cooking pot to a bowl or a ladle. And what I think there is how God works in people's lives to give them gifts of service. That there are people that are just, they have a servant's heart, they're very helpful, and they're always available. So it's a different kind of vessel, right? It would be a pot or a bowl or a ladle. They're to serve. Then we have these storage jars for grains and for liquids. And I think of people like that, that God has given them strength, nourishment. Why? You see, the grains and the liquids that are stored, they're for nourishment, they're for food. And there are people like that that just nourish us. They kind of get us going again. They exhort us. And they're compassionate. 
and they get us going. See how God uses different people in different ways? And the potter might make some different types of oil lamps. What does a lamp do? It gives off light. And there are believers today, when they let God work in their life, you know what they become? Light bearers or good counselors. They have the word of God on their tongue all the time. And they can direct and advise and counsel. They're the lights of the world, aren't they? And then we have, you know what they made out of uh, clay in those days? Baby bottles. Yeah, pottery baby bottles. And I think of those that God makes like that with a sensitive touch. you got to be sensitive to handle a baby, right? And there are people like that. You know, they're not a bull in a china closet like some of us are, but they're more sensitive. And that sensitive touch allows them to identify with people that are hurting. So just like the potter makes all kinds of vessels for all kinds of uses, God makes all kinds of people for all kinds of uses. We're all vessels in the hands of God. And he will accomplish what he wants to in our life if we cooperate. But I'll tell you what, if we have impurities in our life and we won't let them go, chances are his purpose for us will change and will become one of less honor. So each vessel serves a purpose and possesses a beauty all its own. And that's why every Christian needs to understand God's intentions for their life. How often do you think about that? How often do you think about, what is God's plan for me? What are God's intentions? What does God want to shape me into? And how does he want to use me? Have you identified your strengths and weaknesses? Have you identified your talents and your gifts? Those beautiful, that gift, that beautiful ability that God gave you at the moment of salvation. Have you identified that? Because that's the basis of your purpose and rewards in this life. Living in that gift. Living in those talents. So, it's not just about being saved. It's about being shaped and molded by God. Salvation, that's, that's when, that's when the potter gets the mud out of the pit and puts it in the bucket. But he's not done. Oh, he's got a long way to go. So our salvation, we're in the mud. We're in the bucket. Right? We've been taken from the pit of the world. We're in the bucket. But God's not done. He wants to bring us to the studio and he wants to shape us and mold us and make us into something beautiful for his kingdom. Now, here is wisdom. Isaiah 45, verse 9. Woe to the one who quarrels with his maker. Hmm. In other words, if you fight with God, you're not too smart. <laughs> That's basically what he's saying. He said, an earthenware vessel among the vessels of earth. Will the clay say to the potter, what are you doing? Or the thing you are making say, he has no hands? In other words, 
God doesn't know what he's doing. So when Isaiah said, wait a minute now, woe to the one who quarrels with his maker, the word quarrel, you know what it means? To grapple. Grapple. You ever grapple with God? You know, like Jonah, Jonah grappled with God, didn't he? Ah, going to Nineveh. He grappled. Jacob grappled with God in that wrestling match, right? The angel of the Lord. He wrestled, he grappled with him. So when we grapple with God, we're trying to get our way instead of his way. But wait a minute. Isn't his way better? We, you know, we always say, yes, God's way is the perfect way, but then we fight to have our way. What's wrong with that picture? Why do we do that? We always want our way, even though we know God's way is better. Why do we do that? Because we're crazy. Because we have a sin nature. That's why. And sometimes we let that sin nature take over. So let's go to Proverbs 21, verse 30. There is no wisdom and no understanding and no counsel against the Lord. That sums it up pretty good. That's a, You go against God, you might as well just run into a brick wall. How's your head? <laughs> run into a brick wall head first and then tell me how it feels. That's what happens when we grapple with God. So, you know, it's like Proverbs is saying, let me read it again. There's no wisdom, no understanding, no counsel against the Lord. So it's like, who, who, do, who do you think you are? How much do you think you know? You think you know more than God? You think you know better than God for your own life? I'll tell you what, the worst times of my life are the times when I was in charge. Oh yeah, did a lot of dumb things. God wasn't in it. But then those rare times when God has control works out pretty good. Works out very good. That's what, that's the realization we need to come to. If not, who do you think you are? You think you know more than God? You don't. Isaiah said, shall the potter be considered as equal with the clay? <laughs> no. That what is made would say to its maker, he did not make me. A lot of people say that today, don't they? God didn't make me. You know what they say? A gorilla made me. Good luck with that. <laughs> I'd rather say God made me than I came from a family of orangutans. No, God is my creator. Wouldn't you rather have God as your creator than a monkey? I would say so. So the, the clay is not equal to the potter. And that what is made won't say to its maker, you didn't make me. Or what is formed, say to him who formed it, he has no understanding. See, the potter, he's a master. He's an artist. He knows exactly what he's doing, and he's very good at what he does. That's why he lives next door to the king. So the king has access to him. When he needs some fine wear, he knows where to go, and he knows the potter is good. And we have to know, hey, God knows what he's doing. I, sometimes we don't understand it, and sometimes we don't like it. But he knows what he's doing. Our job, let him cleanse us 
It's the impurities that get in the way. It's those little tiny things. Not the big things. It's the little tiny things, maybe that we're not even aware of, that get in the way of God's work in our life. That little temper tantrum. That little reaction. Maybe that little judgmental spirit. Things that, you know, we don't consider them big things, but it's the little things. Beware the little foxes that spoil the vine, Solomon said, right? You got a stone wall around the vineyard and the foxes can't get through the rocks because the holes are so tiny. But wait, the baby foxes, they can get through. So beware the little foxes. And we have to beware of the little things, the little impurities in our life. Because those are the ones that get in the way of the potter. So, in summary today, God knows what he wants to do with your life. He has awesome intentions to make you beautiful and useful for his kingdom. Wisdom is to let God do his handiwork. That's wisdom. Let God do his work. How do we do that? We do that by humbling ourselves, by abiding in his word as he directs us. That's how we do it. Next time we're going to see the greatest vessel ever made. What do you think was the greatest vessel ever made? We'll see that next time.